Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. There's been an awful lot of political agitation over immigration policy, over the immigration courts. But the story today is one that should resonate regardless of your politics, liberal, conservative, or whatever. It involves a Chinese Christian member of a house church and his trials and tribulations. And I have a very special guest with us today, Judge Ken Starr. Should be a household name for most of us. Uh, Judge Starr, thank you so much for taking time to tell us about the plight of Ting Shui. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. Yes, it's quite a story and happily one with a happy ending. So tell us first off um, how Mr. Shui come to America and got into the, uh, the clutches, as it were, of our immigration system. Yes. Well, he was a very faithful attendee at a house church in his native China and would meet on Friday evenings uh, with what I would just call a young adult group at a house church, so an unregistered church. And on one particular evening, he and his fellow Christians are arrested by the local police. Uh, They are all taken into custody uh, and over the course of three days suffered uh, the following kind of uh, experience. Uh, a mild beating, but nonetheless a beating. Uh, threats, you better never do this again. Uh, deprivation of uh, certain amenities of, of life during the course of the incarceration. Uh, very severe interrogation. And then released with the proviso that he returned for reprogramming, re-education once a week at the police station. Then, and he continued to meet unlawfully, and his family was very involved in the underground church. And so on one particular Friday evening, he had to work late, and it was a blessing in disguise because while the house church moved from house to house, the police came back at the subsequent incident and arrested again everyone in attendance and because this was their second offense they were in fact tried and several were sentenced to one year's imprisonment so with all this happening and i left out the very important fact that he was very severely fined essentially the equivalent of a half year's wages and ting shui was in china a factory worker you know, an honest, good uh, citizen, and so on and so forth, but he was uh, with the Fellowship of Believers. So his family, and this is just a beautiful story in and of itself, his extended family uh, raised money to get him out of the country, and so he did leave the country, uh, made his way to South America, then to Mexico, then into the United States. So in the United States, he's apprehended, and uh, he interposes, as he was entitled to do, a claim of asylum based on his facing uh, persecution back in China and having a, and this is the key language, well-founded fear of persecution. 
That's international law, and it's the United States law in the Refugee Act of 1980. And the immigration judge, when it goes through the process, says, well, you had these different privations, but that didn't result in the hospitalization, uh, et cetera. And moreover, and here's the key, you could worship in secret back in China, and you would not face persecution. That position was taken, unfortunately, by the United States Department of Justice, and it prevailed before the administrative law judge, and then before what's called the Board of Immigration Appeals. And then that position was upheld by the United States Court of Appeals in Denver, the United States Court of Appeals for the Tenth Circuit. You know, Ken, we won a discrimination case before that court last year um, in Denver. But, you know, listening to this standard, I am reminded that during the Obama years, religious freedom advocates were very concerned about characterizing religious freedom in terms of the freedom to worship as though, you know, anything other than worship was not really religious freedom. And here what I'm hearing is this kind of attitude now applied, you know, to Christian believer in China. Well, you had the freedom to worship as long as you basically did it by yourself in your own home and nobody knew about it. That's not even the freedom to worship now, is it? You know, that's the freedom to have daily devotionals, uh, you know, in solitude. Well, I'm reminded uh, of the scripture that says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Uh, yes, so, as the manner of some is. Right. right. <laughs> so, exactly. so that's the manner that the Chinese authorities uh, have become very brutal, as we all know, and we just lament that and uh, pray for the persecuted church. So now you were brought in to bring an appeal uh, to ask the Supreme Court to review the case, right? I was actually a friend of the court. And happily, Ting Shui, when I came involved in the case, was represented by a very able law firm based in Los Angeles, uh, pro bono, and they did a terrific job. And so I came in, in my capacity as a member of the board of directors of Advocates International and of the Christian Legal Society. So I served on those two boards, and both the Christian Legal Society, we call CLS, and Advocates International filed a friend of the court briefs, then asking the Supreme Court of the United States to overrule the Tenth Circuit in Denver and to restore a rule which prevails elsewhere, which is to say, oh my goodness, requiring someone to worship in secret uh, is not a response to an otherwise well-founded fear of persecution. So what happened? I know you said there's a happy ending. He's uh, obviously still living in Denver happily. And he won his asylum, but but how? The uh, Solicitor General of the United States, when the issue was pending in the Supreme Court, directed the immigration authorities to grant him asylum. So the case was settled. And that's the issue of law that the Tenth Circuit decided remains unstable. And there is a conflict in the interpretation of this very important law among the different courts of appeals in the United States. And so what I've been doing, along with others, including colleagues from the Christian Legal Society and Advocates International, the Alliance for Defending Freedom, and the, uh, the First Liberty Institute, a lot of friends of religious freedom have allied together just as a group of concerned folks and to encourage the Justice Department to step in and to resolve this issue as a matter of law 
which the attorney general has the power to do. So beginning in February of this year, uh, communicated with the Justice Department, uh, met with the Justice Department, we'd submitted letters to the Justice Department, all to the end, hey, straighten out the law, reverse the Tenth Circuit. Now, you might say, how can an attorney general do that? But an attorney general does have power under the immigration laws of the United States to clarify the law. It could be subject to review in the courts of appeals. But what we're trying to do is to straighten out this terrible rule that exists over in you know, the Rocky Mountain states, the Tenth Circuit. Interestingly enough, the famous Ninth Circuit has the right rule. <laughs> so does the circuit in Chicago. So does the circuit in New Orleans. So the Tenth what, Circuit. When you say the right rule, what what do you think the you know what is the proper standard for uh, a reasonable fear of persecution? That a well-founded fear of persecution can be established based upon facts uh, such as. The, all facts are going to be different, right? But these facts certainly pass muster readily mm -hmm. to establish a well-founded fear of persecution and to, above all, reject the proposition that, uh, that worshiping in secret <laughs> uh, is the answer to the suggestion that, right. oh, no, you're not really facing persecution. That's the key point. It's, it, it's one level, it's very narrow, but at the other, it's so fundamental and foundational. So critics of the the whole asylum process and the immigration process have taken aim at the fact that, you know, prosecution, judge and jury, so to speak, are all under the auspices of the Justice Department. There is no sort of what we call separation of powers here. And there was a prominent case not involving religious persecution where uh, now former head of the Justice Department, Jeff Sessions, overturned uh, the decision that was granting asylum in a case of being beaten or raped by a, a spouse. Um, I'm wondering, in the case of religious persecution, what a difference it would make if the Justice Department <laughs> itself actually did not prosecute. You know, if, if, if there was a reasonable fear of persecution, they would grant asylum or they would argue in favor of asylum instead of, you know, almost knee-jerk opposing it in every case. I know. I've been so disappointed. The Justice Department does such important work, uh, including in the area of immigration. I don't know of anyone who doesn't believe we should have uh, controls at the border. Of course. There's controversy about the caravan and so forth. Uh, I'm, no responsible person should want quote, open borders, or as someone well put it, if, if that's what it is, we're not a country, right? The whole idea, every country is that you have some control of who comes in and so forth. So, And, and I point out that Obama earned the nickname deporter-in-chief because yeah, it might have been as, as yeah. publicly controversial, but, but he was aggressively enforcing the immigration law. So, you know, this is not really a partisan political issue, although it's been, been made to be one. Well, it has become one in terms of the importance of religious freedom for the reasons that, that you enumerated. That is, I think that there is a growing hostility, tragically and wrongly, to uh, claims of religious freedom and religious-based uh, persecution and so forth. And unfortunately, the Justice Department has not been immune from that. I'm not suggesting that Jeff Sessions, who is, of course, no longer the Attorney General, uh, 
uh, entertained any such anti-religious freedom views, but people under his uh, aegis, under under his authority, have been asserting these positions that I'm not suggesting there's a motivation of hostility toward religion. It's just the practical effect. The effect is to put, I think, a very unfair, unreasonable, and unlawful burden on uh, individuals to demonstrate, uh, to satisfy the requirement that there be a well-founded fear of persecution. Again, the idea, the very idea, here's the nub of the controversy. The idea that you can worship all by yourself and thereby avoid persecution eliminates your statutory entitlement to remain in the United States as a refugee. That is so profoundly wrong. It's wrong certainly at a moral level, but more relevantly, <laughs> it's wrong at a legal level. And, and a policy and, level. Well, let me, let me ask you yeah. this question. We've just got about a minute left. Okay. Um, when the United States, in our foreign policy, wants to address China's human rights record, you know, persecution of Christians, persecution of the Uyghur Muslims, for example, and, and we want to advocate for human rights, and yet when cases like this come and China sees us saying, oh, well, there's not really a reasonable fear of persecution, how does that play in terms of our foreign policy and our, our relationship with China? Well, it does suggest that it, we're not speaking with one voice, or at least with a consistent voice. And so I'm very concerned that we have a legally correct and morally defensible policy. And so let's tighten up the borders, let people argue about uh, building the wall and all that. But the law is the law. And that we're out of time. Our guest today, Judge Ken Starr, We've been talking about the immigration case of Ping Shui, Chinese Christian now granted asylum finally. And you can read the whole article that Judge Starr published in the Weekly Standard on our website, churchstate.org. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring. <laughs>